here, here we go. Uh, we were just off camera having a little discussion about the new camera placement. It's better. So it's so better. We're like a little bit more in everyone's face. Um, welcome. Good evening. It is Monday. I am Matt. This is Jocelyn. We're a little late this evening. Um, it's a new schedule. Yeah, you have some theater obligations. Oh my god. Yeah. The, 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 you have to walk through your fears. Yeah. I, I don't want to ever sing a cappella in harmony. Mm -hmm. And I have to sing a cappella in harmony with two other women. Well, it sounds like I you have something harmonize. to work on. <laughs> <laughs> I said to myself, don't harmonize. She said, oh. <laughs> All right. Let me make sure that I have the uh, Vim TV stream going. I believe it is, but I just want to make sure that everything is posted to Hive correctly. While I'm doing that, we have wine, oh, as usual. Wine. Maybe this will be, eh, no, the light still sucks, me trying to show. No, no, I can see. This is called Banshee. This is Pinot Noir. Well, uh, oh, yeah, I didn't flip the camera this, this time. But uh, it's Pinot Noir from Sonoma County. Again, I... This was the the girls. I took the girls the, to the liquor store. The deviancy and, of our children. <laughs> and they picked all of the labels. Yes. Every yeah. one of them. Okay. Um, I think Piper picked this one. Okay, so you do the honors with that one. I am trying to just make sure yeah. really quickly that the stream is rolling here. Um, and uh, as usual, a reminder, like, comment, subscribe, share, help us out. Um, oh, and we are up on the high blockchain right now, which is fantastic. Uh, so, and uh, something to mention, we are live on Odyssey as well as Vim.tv, V-I-M-M.tv. So if you are on either one of those blockchains, you can always throw us a thumbs up or uh, an upvote and help us with crypto on those platforms. Interesting smell. All right. Um, <laughs> good, interesting, not bad, interesting. But so, are you drinking straight from the bottle? Jesus, it's that kind of evening, isn't it? Um, <laughs> and a reminder. Lunch or dinner? I feel like I'm. I did I'm not even through the intro yet. This is uh, good. <laughs> and a reminder: if you are listening to the audio podcast, help us out with either a rating or a review or a thumbs up or a five star or whatever podcatcher you're on. Um, help us with that so this gets broadcast out to more people. So this has an interesting aftertaste. Okay. Especially when you drink from the bottle. <laughs> oh, it's a really nice beginning. Hold on. I feel it's bad. Interesting I feel bad. Scott's still like in the green room and I oh. promised we would get him on quickly. But um, also for my birthday, if you can check it out here, we have ungovernable <laughs> wine glasses. How about How that? So that? Um, in the comments uh, down below <laughs> or on the side, uh, if you would like us to try and set this up as merch, we can definitely make that happen for you. So we'll try and figure that much out. But uh, that one is for you. You can go ahead and do the honors pouring as well. Um, so this evening we are talking about crypto. I know nothing about crypto. You you know some crypto words, right? I know there's like um, icebox. Icebox, cold storage. Cold storage. Yes, cold storage. Well, yeah, you're close. And I know that you're not supposed to go with Coinbase because that's what the government wants. Right? <laughs> that's what I know. <laughs> Uh, and I know there's some arg in there somewhere. Ooh, arg, pirate, pirate coin. That's, yes, good reference. That's what I know. Yeah, and some Monero. That's as yeah. much as I look into you. <laughs> <laughs> so with that, um, we have a fantastic guest, a returning guest from ages ago that it's taken me a while to get him back on here of my own scheduling conflict uh, issues. But so uh, Scott C Business is with us this evening. Scott, how are you, sir? I'm doing well. That was awesome. uh, a fun little intro. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, we like to consider it a uh, under control dumpster fire. <laughs> um, so really quickly, if anyone is not familiar with you, um, who are you? What do you do and where can they find information about you? Yeah. So um, I guess the main thing that I do is I review and 
test and share all my results from using blockchain and crypto monetized social media platforms. So, you know, finding ways that you can earn crypto and get value from the things you're already doing. And, and then, uh, yeah. And then I share that with everyone and I do interviews and tutorials and a bunch of other stuff at the same time. And, uh, you can pretty much find me anywhere under at Scottsy business or crypto in things. Are you like a hive? I do know hive. Yeah. Are you like a hive person? Yeah, I mean, I'm on all of them. I'm on uh, a ridiculous amount. Uh, I try to use like 40 to 50 platforms. But, what? Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's quite the undertaking. You must have like some kind of OCD because unless you have some kind of OCD, you can't do that. Or or, or you're I... just very good at multitasking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't get to use them as much as I probably would like to because of that. I mean, even just posting a video takes hours um, for all yeah. these platforms, but you know, it is what it is. Awesome. I, oh, and some of my favorite videos of his are the ones where he goes through his spreadsheet of his crypto earnings for like the month or like the quarter. Is it insane? Well, I mean, like, I don't understand. What, what's interesting is how it changes from month to month, right? Yeah. For like one month, it's great. Well, no, no, no. Each one of the different platforms he's on, sometimes the earnings Because change. the crypto goes up and down depending on- The month. crypto changes, also the algo, or not just, the, not necessarily the algo, but how things rank in terms of how people are seeing it within the different platforms also changes too. So it's pretty, pretty interesting stuff. Um, I feel like I would be doing you a disservice if I didn't give some screen time to whatever uh, drink you're having on, on your end <laughs> on the recording. I, are you a beer person, my, wine uh, person? Yeah, I'm or? a beer guy. I got my little frosted mug here. I had a beer. Uh, yeah. I had an Oktoberfest. Yeah. <laughs> <This is> oh, <laughs> <nice>. <laughs> that explains why you're drinking from the bottle. No, right no, the I onset. literally only have that much gone. I went outside. I'm like, for like a five-minute pregame. All right, we are, uh, to quote Rodney Dangerfield, we're off to a great stop. So <laughs> what we want to talk about, or at least what I wanted to talk about this evening, was we'll talk a little kind of like, you know, crypto one-on-one and things like, one-on-one and stuff like that. But what I really want to talk about is the last, specifically, like maybe the last six months, there's been tons of things, especially with the drop in the market and some of the protests that have been going on and some of the stories about crypto, where um, a lot of what I would consider the selling points of crypto um, have at least been tested, if not, you know, some of them have re reached their breaking point. And so I definitely wanted to talk about a, a number of those. The first I want to talk about is just in general, the crypto market. I mean, we've seen Bitcoin go from, you know, a 60 handle down to what, 23, 24 right now, right? Um, and so all the hodlers are still yelling, you know, hodl and, and stack, right? Um, but there's just tons of other people that were disaffected because they were buying at 40 and 50 and 60. Um, yeah. What's really been your take in terms of how that dynamic has played out where we just had this gigantic bull market and then a very vicious pullback in just the overall crypto market. Yeah, I mean, I started investing in 2017, unfortunately for me, because mm. uh, the crash was in 2018. And um, so I've sort of subscribed to the like the having theory that like Bitcoin runs in four year cycles and pretty much every time that it goes way, way up, it comes down like 80%. Um, so I've sort of like mentally prepared for that. And that's kind of what I've seen previously this cycle. I'm kind of just waiting for the next halving at this point. Um, and what, yeah, what does I that mean, start the, the markets, like? um, I think it's in here, wait, I could check it's Bitcoin block I believe. 
What are we like? But uh, I think it's like two years out from where we are now. Okay. Yeah, 598 days. And so, so for someone who's completely green, yeah. what does having mean? Yeah, so every four years, um, the amount of Bitcoin that's being created by the miners when they mine a block, uh, they get half as much. So right now, when a block is mined, there's 6.25 Bitcoins created mm. or minted and you know uh, distributed amongst the people who are mining it. And uh, that will go down to 3.125 uh, in about 598 days. So why that's a big deal is because it's, uh, I mean, you know, supply and demand. If there's way less Bitcoin being created every day or every time a block is mined, um, then obviously, like, there's going to be more pressure, the less Bitcoin available on exchanges for people to buy. So generally, that's always what's kind of pushing Bitcoin up. And the only thing to keep in mind is every cycle, it's going to be less impactful than the previous cycle because it's half of a half of a half of a half. Um, so it's eventually going to be pretty stable in the future. And assumably, like the last Bitcoin will be created in like 2144, assuming everything kind of tracks along as it is now. Um, but that's a very general estimate. From a very, very... Now, you... I've talked to me about mining. <laughs> to me, it sounds like you're going in with like a pickaxe <laughs> and trying to find something to hold. Like what? I don't understand it. I don't understand. It. Like what is like crypto mining? I, I'm sorry. Is this too rudimentary? No, no, I that's fine. Understand so if, if you had to put it simply, Scott, how would you define um, mining and, and essentially the solving process that goes into authenticating a block on the blockchain? Yeah. So, I mean, not all cryptocurrencies are proof of work. Um, proof of work is just one consensus model uh, and, and that's with mining. So what mining is, is like, you're just trying to prove that some type of work has been done to create value essentially. So what miners are, are GPUs like graphics cards in a computer or you know in, in a device like a miner that you would buy. Um, they're just solving complex algorithms to simply just prove that there's work being done to actually um, like, like that it's not just anyone could just instantly like do the mining and get a ton of Bitcoins. There has to be some type of level of difficulty to actually acquire it. And they do that with mining. The biggest criticism is that it uses a lot of electricity and energy, but I would argue that most Bitcoin mining is done with renewable energy. And there's a lot of interesting projects that kind of get around that. Like, uh, one cool example in Vancouver here in Canada is they use miners in the winter in apartment buildings to heat the buildings instead of just, you know, letting all that exhaust heat and trying to deal with that and cooling and everything. Instead, they use it to heat the buildings. So that's much more energy efficient. But uh, essentially, it's using energy, electricity cost, and then the time that it takes is the value that's in Bitcoin, essentially. Yeah. I'm not sure I understand that. No, so... Uh... <laughs> Like, I think I understand you, it on a level. You can also think of it in terms of every single time a block gets like minted or what printed, is a, block? A, a block is essentially a collection of data. And so the blockchain is a bunch of these That's different like blocks of data that, well, over all, all over kinds over of different over. ones. Yes. Yeah. Okay. But so um, there are different chains, Bitcoin being one of them. Right. And so each time a block gets minted or printed or validated, it's essentially a math problem that's going through that they're 
trying to solve for, trying to figure out to make sure that the, the block has actually done the work that's recorded during that time period. Does that make sense, Scott? Am I, am I off base on that? Yeah. One? I, I, like a, a better way to describe it, I would say, is like it's like the Internet, but the people who are keeping the Internet running are being rewarded for their efforts uh, <clears throat> as just individual users versus like big companies like Google and Amazon. Uh, it's individual users that are doing that work and then they're being rewarded with Bitcoin. Mm. That makes sense. Yeah, it's uh, makes... the, the idea of Bitcoin being that there's no central authority that's saying that this is valid information Wait, bitcoin so like for, is not a specific crypto that's being traded on the stock market well no no, no it's not true i mean there's ways to trade it through Where the stock market which is probably what contributed to it going to sixty thousand as well because <laughs> tons of the hedge funds got involved and now you have essentially uh artificial demand for crypto Bitcoin is like a big name for all crypto. Bitcoin is like the biggest. It's like the the largest. It's like one. the first the first mover. So it, yeah. that's why it has a lot of. The I'm sorry, I'm so muted. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, 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 that's fine. Like to wrap your head around that. Like I totally believe like the the players in the world want digitized money, and that's scary. That needs to go aside. But like I think like I think when you talk about all of this like. Um, untraceable stuff. Mm. I think that's important. Well, like privacy coins and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so there's all kinds of different flavors, and we we could get into that if you want. Um, but there's all kinds of different flavors or brands of crypto or whatever, right? And all of them have different uh, things that go into them to to make them what they are, right? So Bitcoin's biggest selling point is scarcity. There's only so many Bitcoins that are going to be minted ever yeah. in the history of the world, right? Um, which, by the way, uh, Scott, you probably know this when. When the last Bitcoin gets minted, um, do we now just not have an incentive to continue to mine or will, will there be some kind of reward, you know, continued reward that will be given to miners to continue to val validate those blocks as they keep going? Yeah, um, I, I had this before, but now I'm forgetting. It, it's like there's still going to be a way for people to validate the network and keep it running. Um, Luckily, it's not going to be in our lifetimes, but, yeah. <laughs> uh, so that, that's a future problem. But yeah, my understanding is that there will still be some way that they'll be rewarded and it'll be so small, like it'll probably just be transaction fees, but mm. because Bitcoin will be worth so much, that will be enough money to just pay the, the miners with just the transaction fees. That's my understanding anyways. Yeah. Okay, wait, so I think I wrapped my head around something. Gold standard. Gold is what backs the gold standard, right? What backs whatever currency you're using. Right, now. but if you're an American dollar, debt basically backs that, right? Uh, hopes and dreams, pretty much. Yeah. And then if you're crypto, it's data that backs it? To a degree, like the electricity that you're using, the time put into actually mining, and the data is what you're actually validating as the miners. Um, but huh. yeah, I would, I would akin... Um, Bitcoin to digital gold, essentially all the qualities of gold with none of the negatives. So, you know, I can't take all my gold with me, go to the airport, fly to some random country because they're going to, they're going to confiscate it. I can't bring that much, right. uh, but you can bring any amount of Bitcoin. I could send it around the world instantly. If I want to sell my gold for the actual value, I'd probably have to go and do it somewhere legit and get it like you know, checked by someone to make sure that it's an actual, there's no counterfeit, stuff like that. Um, Cause there's no counterfeit Bitcoin. 
you can really easily sell it. You can transfer it around the world instantly. Um, you can bring it anywhere with you. So it's essentially just solving a lot of the inadequacies of gold. Um, plus, I would I would also say to anyone who says Bitcoin uses too much electricity that if you compared Bitcoin to gold mining, which is all diesel, it's infinitely better for the environment. Yeah, or I... like do it against electric cars in twenty minutes, <laughs> specifically in California. <laughs> Uh, so that that so that raises a good question. So that's one of the one of the things that really had kind of caught my eye recently was um, there was actually a story on I think Bloomberg or one of the other financial papers the other day that essentially said uh, you know will the U.S. government or governments around the world um, either hugely regulate or ban proof of work because proof of work as far as the blockchain goes is pretty much right now the most energy intensive. Um, mm -hmm. you know, way of validating blocks or, or mining new coins. Um, you had already mentioned that there, there are already green energy operations that mine using some of the, you know, I'll use air quotes, cleanest, right, energy that we have. Um, but so that being said, like, do you think that's a realistic possibility? Or do you think, because, I mean, from my perspective, you know, you could ban proof of work in most of the industrialized world a lot of miners would just pick up and move to Uzbekistan or something like that and continue yeah. mining there as long as they had, you know, enough energy in order to keep the machines going. I, what's your thought process on that? Do you think that's a material risk to the future of something like Bitcoin that's built off of proof of work? Yeah, I mean, the beauty of Bitcoin is, you know, we've <clears throat> over the years, we've seen governments ban it, unban it. So, like, I think because it's so globalized, it's not going to be that big of an issue. Um, also like one of the benefits is recently in Canada, we had our Rogers, like our, one of our biggest telecoms go down. We didn't have government services for like a little over 24 hours and half of people's internet and telecoms were down, including, um, we couldn't use like our debit cards. You couldn't e-transfer uh, a lot of different things were not working, but crypto was still working fine because it's not you know, restricted to just Canada, it's global. Mm -hmm. So uh, it doesn't rely on the Canadian, you know, infrastructure for it to keep working. So that was a really good example of why something that isn't centralized is so much better because, you know, if people couldn't get access to money, aside from cash, obviously, um, crypto wasn't was an answer there. Yeah, I, I love that aspect of it. That's one of the things that really attracted to me, it attracted me to it in the first place, because it was, it does address a lot of those shortcomings of traditional money or fiat currency and gold and things like that. But really beyond that is the, the redundancy and the decentralization that's just inherent in it or built within it. So um, I do also find it interesting that a lot of world governments are going after the regulation of these exchanges. Like you mentioned Coinbase at the beginning. Mm -hmm. um, I, I specifically veer away from exchanges. Are they going um, after it or are they looking at it as a way to somehow make their digital money? Uh, I mean, I feel like there's like, well, I mean, so that I feel like you, they want to co-op. We could, we could get into conspiracy theories, but I think the first step in any of these kind of like new competitors to whether it's currency or investments or anything like that is, they go to regulation, like that's always the first step, right? Um, that that regulation, do you think that undermines the value of Bitcoin? Or because, I mean, from my from my perspective, a lot of people also got into Bitcoin if they were kind of like uh, privacy nerds or or like security maximalists. 
they wanted to keep as much knowledge of their personal financial transactions away from centralized authorities as possible. Um, do you think that's going to weigh heavily because, or do you think it's just kind of like the Tom, Dick and Janes that are going to Coinbase because they advertise a lot and the people that are really security based are still going to have options that are elsewhere where they can kind of avoid, you know, the, the boogeyman or the, the eye of Sauron, so to speak. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I would say, um, it's really just for like the beginners, uh, to use, you know, exchanges and trade on exchanges and people who get a little more deeper into it they're like okay i need to keep my crypto on a wallet beyond that they're going to start looking at like privacy coins and things of that nature so i think it kind of goes in phases i mean anyone who's buying crypto on like paypal very very introductory like they're very very new they clearly don't they don't know I, like even i know and i just ask so many rudimentary questions but i see the crypto on paypal and i'm like that's not the way yeah. <laughs> yeah. So like, yeah, we even like uh, some of our stock exchanges here, like Wealth Simple in Canada, uh, you could buy crypto, but you can't transfer it or withdraw it. Mm. Uh, I don't know if that's changed for Robinhood, a major stock exchange in the States, but uh, for a long time, you know, you could trade crypto, but you couldn't actually withdraw it or actually, you know, send it or do anything with it or spend it. So it was very centralized. And I think the problem is a lot of people are going to opt into that for convenience or they just don't know enough or they're not going to like research much. So I would say for anyone who's really not going to get that deep into it, you're better off just investing through like an ETF in the stock market if you know how to trade stocks. Um, Cause like, then you can also get different benefits. Like you can trade in like, uh, like in Canada, we have a tax-free savings uh, investing account so you could not get taxed on your capital gains on your Bitcoin. There's a lot of benefits that you could do through investing through the stock market. But if you actually want the the real benefits of crypto, you need to buy it on an exchange, withdraw it, hold it in a wallet, kind of do all the all the little nuances. But uh, yeah, and then if you get really deep into it, it's it's privacy coins and all that other stuff as well. You're from yeah. Canada. Did you experience yeah. all the trucker thing? Did they mess with crypto with the trucker thing? Uh, we were actually yeah. talking about this offline. So oh. I, without getting too political, because I know uh, <laughs> we don't want to put Scott under the gun, especially being one of our neighbors to the north. But um, what, what did you take from that whole situation? Well, did I mean, they, did they, they did they cut off crypto? Well, Scott will explain it to give people oh. background if they're not familiar with it, if they've been living under a rock. Uh, truckers essentially uh, went on protest, uh, yeah. mostly in the eastern portion of canada and the you know yeah. non non wildernessy <laughs> version of canada um and uh they went truckers through rock a, by the way i just have to say trucker my dad was a trucker truckers rock so originally they went through um uh what's the the funding uh platform they went through GoFund, GoFundMe. yeah yeah, yeah they, went through, they had to go through something different they got shut down by the government uh, and then they went through Gifts and Go, yeah. but they, they also got, they received a bunch of donations in, in Bitcoin and other cryptos into either exchanges or wallets. Um, but their, their bank accounts got stopped. Well, so I'd, let's yeah. kick it to you, Scott. So they get these donations in terms of crypto and stuff. What went awry with that? Yeah, so they can't actually like take your crypto, but what they were doing essentially oh. is they were they were getting your address that you have your Bitcoin on and they were blacklisting it. So if you then sent that to an exchange, the exchange would just confiscate it from you and then, you know, give it to the government or whatever. So the idea was that they were just 
using like I would say lawfare, like legal warfare, mm-hmm. uh, on the exchanges to force them to comply. Um, but you know, even like the CEO of Kraken, for example, like a lot of people from the exchanges were saying, "Yeah, no, if you're doing this, like, don't leave your crypto on our exchange because we're gonna have to comply. So just do not do that." There's many ways that you can get your crypto and spend it, or get it out, or you know, withdraw it through an AT- like a Bitcoin ATM or whatever. Um, but yeah, so the big issue was that they were just blacklisting your address. Um, but you now, know, there's so many my, ways to get around. How did that. you get the Re- address? Hold on, hold on. Refresh my memory. So wasn't it the Kraken CEO that wrote, wrote the letter to Canada, the Canadian government, basically told him to go F himself? Was that Kraken? Yeah. 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 Is that a big but point? unfortunately they still do have to comply once with, on, <laughs> like with, with what they have on the exchange, unfortunately. But, yeah. um, the beauty of that though is like you don't have to oh and and to answer your question like how do they have your address uh they can so everything on bitcoin is public so they can see who sent to the donation wallet and then they just blacklist all those addresses so if those addresses then sent to an exchange no 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 no. that's just bitcoin and i mean there's many cryptocurrencies that are public and then you've got privacy coins like monero and there's a lot of different uh ways that crypto works but bitcoin as an example is public so they are able to generally trace that but um you know the average person isn't really going to be able to know what what's going on it's only if someone who's actually like doing some some deep diving into all the different transactions and tracing like it almost feels like crypto is like artistic as you talk about it yeah it feels like it feels like like it's artistic in the sense that like there's so many like avenues and areas to go in and like ways to, you know, like, cause you know, it's not, if it's not Bitcoin, it could be like, you talk about that ARG and that like the hive and there's so oh. many different ways to develop, not that the actual coin itself or whatever is artistic, but like you can create an avenue in different ways. Well, so the, the beauty of, and you can talk to this too, if you want, Scott, um, the beauty from my perspective is, there's web 1.0, web 2.0, and web 3.0, and crypto is kind of evolving along with some of that web technology that's happening. And so a lot of that e-commerce that's happening, you're right, in the past, there were these kind of like centralized bottlenecks or, you know, gatekeepers that essentially Mm -hmm. said that, oh, you can go this way, but you can't go that way. Um, And so crypto helps you kind of break down some of those things. So yeah, I mean, it's, it's, kind of like would you call it the wild west i mean there's there's literally an infinite number of possibilities for people to take this as long as they're willing to invest their time and maybe a little money and effort right yeah i mean yeah i mean it's good and it's bad that it's the crypto wild west because you know some people have no idea what's going on they're investing Mm -hmm. in like random coins losing all their money um and like going back to what you were saying before some regulation can be good most is probably not going to be good. Yeah. Uh, they just recently passed something like here in Canada where in terms of your taxes, um, you can only invest like $30,000 into altcoins. So anything other than Ethereum or Bitcoin, what? Um, which is good for Ethereum and Bitcoin because then people like, how okay, do they know? invest money. Well, if you're going to claim your taxes, um, <laughs> if you do any more than 30,000 on Doge, then they're going to say, well, no, like, or we're going to fine you or whatever. Uh, because I assume 
as crypto was going up, they're like, this is going to be great. We're going to tax them. We're going to make so much money. Crypto crashes. Everyone's claiming like insane losses. And the government's like, okay, wait, this isn't working. This doesn't work. <laughs> so so now they're crazy. like, okay, you can only invest so much in Doge and, you know, all these other things. Um, and so, I'm com yeah, coming from the perspective I'm coming from, like, I'm like, that's karma, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Oh my god. I I got really unlucky back in the day and I had um about 110,000 doge on Cryptopia and uh the exchange went bankrupt and then they like I couldn't get my my doge out and then oh. you know doge went to like 95 cents Canadian so that would have been over 100 grand I would have had but yeah. uh hard didn't lesson like, learned that you do not leave your crypto on exchanges so Didn't Elon Musk talk about doge? I don't know. I know more than I know. Oh, he loves doge. <laughs> He's so so like, what's, they... I'd be as uh, uh, discerning as you want to be. What's, what's your opinion on, on Elon? Do you think he's uh, this like futurist, like soothsayer that everyone thinks he is? Or do you think there's some nefarious? I think he's really him? good at staying in the public eye and marketing himself. Basically like Kanye oh, really? a few years ago before Kanye like kind of went off the rails. I would say <laughs> he's just really good at marketing himself and just always staying in the public eye. Like he's always on the next thing and... I mean, like the Twitter deal, for example, like he managed to gain more followers than the creator of Twitter in like two months. I think more than double his followers in two months with this Twitter deal, uh, which is just insane, right? Like yeah. Jack Dorsey has like seven or eight million and uh, Elon Musk got an extra like 22 million or something like that oh in like God. two months. So, you know, he's just like really good at marketing himself. I don't know if he ever really intended to buy Twitter maybe it was to expose the bots um but you know it's yeah i and i don't think he's that serious about doge either i think he just thinks it's like funny um yeah. but the problem is like doge is not really that good i mean like the creators of doge sold all their doge like right away the one guy made like 10 grand bought like a honda civic or something uh, <laughs> yeah like it, it was nothing fancy it took them i think like three hours to make it it was a joke, you know, and then people just kind of ran with it. The big yeah. problem I see with Doge is like people say, yeah, but it's way faster than Bitcoin and it's way cheaper to send. And this is cash. And I'm like, okay, but Bitcoin, while it was trying to be cash originally, it's more so gold. Yeah. So I would compare it to Bitcoin cash or dash and they're infinitely cheaper and faster than Doge. So it, it, it doesn't really hold up when you're actually comparing it to apples to apples. Yeah. So what is the difference between crypto and what is that thing where you were trying to talk to me about, like the art that gets put on it? And NFTs. oh no no no. So you're you're talking about so is that she, not crypto? She's asking about NFTs. So NFT uh, is that not crypto? So NFTs are something that's built off of essentially crypto as a back. What what's the difference? Go ahead, Scott. I'll let you entertain that one. Yeah. So Ethereum originally created uh erc20 tokens so they could they allowed people to build their own mini cryptos or like tokens on their network so people could create their own then beyond that once they realized how successful that was they created erc721 which allowed people to create non-fungible tokens which is similar but it's very different as well uh essentially it's like you're creating some sort of unique item i guess i would say like a unique asset that isn't like there's no other assets that are the exact same so for example um like a piece of art 
or you know trading cards collectibles essentially is like one of the the main use cases there's many use cases but the most common well-known thing is people create collectibles with it and the idea is that you have true ownership of the collectible online like as a digital item um so it's like you have pokemon cards but instead of pokemon cards they're just digital cards so it's the same general idea as like collectibles but uh but yeah you it's just on the blockchain so it's easier to trade them speculate do all that kind of stuff are you a fan of those not really i mean <laughs> <laughs> uh, most most i would say are just like celebrities cashing in on the hype mm, um, that's how i, I felt recently yeah most of them lost value sometimes it's interesting like what you can do so for example another crypto creator joel valenzuela who's way more deep into crypto than i am he doesn't even have a bank account uh he's like as far as it gets for like living on crypto he has an nft that if you have the nft you can join his discord and then uh you can you can send in live chats for his streams for free without having to like pay for a super chat because you've bought the NFT. So that's like a more interesting use case. And I'm sure in the future, we'll see much more interesting ways that it's being used. Like, um, for example, you go to an event and they give you an NFT that proves that you went to the event and the next year you want to pay for the ticket and they check if you have the NFT and then they give you a 10% discount or something like that. So there's loyalty NFTs. It's like ticket stubs from the nineties. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so there's there's innovative ways that they're coming up with now, and I think it's getting more legitimate. But for a long time, it was just you know celebrities were like, oh, like I can get a million dollars from my fans if I just tell them to all buy this, and yeah. you know they'll probably all lose their money, but I'll get a bunch of money, and that's unfortunately what I've mostly seen. Um, and yeah, do, I would see the think, NFT mark. Do you, do you think some of those like? Um... I mean, the the early stages of crypto, like with a lot of technologies, has a lot of these kind of like pump and dump um, scams and things like yeah. that that come out. Do you do you think yeah, it say it's undermines the, the 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 faith or or you know the interest in it? Um. Yeah. I mean, the sad thing that I think is like the worst thing that I see happening is people get into crypto, they spend all their money on something, they have no idea what it is, it does very poorly, and then they're like, "I'm never going to do this again. I'm never going to touch crypto again." Um, and it's really just because they had no idea what they're doing, but it would be the same thing if you started investing in stocks and you put all your money into one penny stock and then it went to zero. So it's really just people need a little bit more like education when they start and like they need to take it a little bit slower, I guess, because when people get into crypto, because the big craze right now is NFTs, everyone wants to buy NFTs. And I say, okay, well, if you just started investing in stocks you wouldn't start like buying fine art for like hundreds of thousands of dollars or whatever uh you have to kind of pace yourself with your level of wealth like you shouldn't be investing all of your money into one piece of art because you know you have no idea what art is good and what it, i mean maybe if you're an actually like in that field but most people are just jumping in they have no idea what's going on and well, uh, they're just, just throwing money at the wall feel good yep. <laughs> They should just buy what they look at and they're hold, happy. Hold <laughs> and they're like, oh, I love this. Yeah, well, your favorite influencer <laughs> might drop something and you think it's really cool, but they're just kind of like grifting their audience. And that's kind of the problem. 
the difference is you're talking about like you see like a three or five hundred dollar piece of art in the wall and you're like oh that speaks to me like i'll buy that there were people that were dumping tens of thousands <laughs> yeah, of dollars into <laughs> nfts for you know monkey, like monkey, trying to make money monkey okay. pictures and stuff like that mm -hmm. thinking that they were going to the moon you know and beyond that, there's a lot of like centralized NFT platforms that make it even worse. And I think mm -hmm. the most egregious one that I've repeatedly like railed against is uh, Vivi and the OMI token, because it's probably one of the biggest centralized uh, NFT exchanges mm -hmm. or marketplaces rather. And uh, the big problem there is like you need a thousand dollars to withdraw. So if you're like a small time investor, it's going to be really hard for you to actually get your money back. Um, and there's like a whole slew of problems. Like it's uh, it's centralized through the app store. So if Google or Apple wants to just shut it down, like it's pretty much done. Um, lots of problems there. If you're going to buy NFTs, you have to do it in a decentralized way, like on OpenSea or some sort of decentralized marketplace. Yeah. All right. So uh, let me take a step back because we, we had mentioned Doge before, before we got an NFTs. Wait, um, I still don't remember the Canadian. The Canadian. What happened? Did they have, they had their, their, their stuff taken, like yeah. they got their addresses taken, but were they ever given back? Like, did anything ever happen so, with that? So yeah, so nothing was taken per se. It was, it was like just kind of frozen. Well, not even that. So the beauty of Bitcoin is like no one can take it away or stop you from doing anything, but they can mark your address. Like they would say, like Scott is blacklisted. So if Scott tries to do anything with his wallet that we know about, we're going to try to stop that. Um, so they just tell all the exchanges in Canada, if Scott, you know, gets on your exchange, I KYC, I send from my address, they're going to know it's me and they're going to be like, okay, we're going to take his money and hold it. And, uh, the government can do what they want to do. Um, but there's so many ways to get around that if you know what you're doing, but if you're very new to crypto and you're like, oh, I'll send some Bitcoin and then you get blacklisted, you're probably going to have some problems, but uh, it's definitely better than if you donated with your bank account and your bank account's frozen. There's nothing you can yeah. really do there. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of one of the good things about crypto. Did they ever unblacklist everybody who was in the, who, who that happened to? That I'm not sure about, but uh, that, that is something I should definitely check out. But I, I, I mean, feel if... like they probably, they're not going to announce to everyone, oh, we're going to oh. let them go now. But, you know, <laughs> If they did, if they didn't, I mean, like, I wouldn't tell them to do this because it would probably be, you know, sorted and goes against the government's wishes. But if they wanted to use a VPN and Tor and go to an exchange like KuCoin, they might be able to get an anonymous exchange account and then move their coins into something else in order to get them out of the wallet. But, you know, they shouldn't do that because that's probably yeah. not a good idea. That all went right over my head. So anyway, <laughs> now that I'm also on a uh, Canadian uh, <laughs> intelligence agency watch list after giving that answer, um, I let me ask about Luna. So um, a, a number of a number of tokens have seen dramatic fall offs in their value. Um, yeah. One of which, the most prolific, was Luna because Luna is essentially tied uh, at the hip with uh, Tether, right? Um, which was essentially with uh, UST, not Tether. Uh, oh yes, yeah, UST. Um, and yeah. so, being in that kind of like stablecoin arena, um, one of the the professed stalwarts of crypto was, oh well, even if all of the shit coins go down, and even if Bitcoin goes down dramatically and stuff like that, 
people can always keep their money in the ecosystem because they can just shift their value from Bitcoin into these stable coins. Um, and for your reference, stable coins are coins that are supposed to be pegged to something. So like the dollar or the Canadian dollar or something like that, right? So it's supposed to maintain its exchange rate there. And so you always have kind of like this safe haven to run to, so to speak. And Luna fell off the the map and essentially there's literally like a trillion so it was uh, to be coins safe. out there now. It was supposed um, to be safe. Well, it, it went hand in hand with the stable coin that was kind of like a partner within that ecosystem. Can you just explain that dynamic? Like, why is it that that rug pull happened with Luna? Because that was one of the, yeah. I'm like, Terra, Terra, you know, slash Luna was one of the most prolific risers of the altcoins mm. outside of the Bitcoin and, and Ethereum. With ecosystem. a cool name. Uh, yeah, I yeah, would have bought nice. it just for the name. Yeah, <laughs> I think a lot of people did. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Wine so, for labels, like crypto labels, and you know. No, no, no. Do not buy labels. your crypto like, by labels. Crypto by name. <laughs> I don't know. All right, go ahead. Yeah, Scott. I mean, actually, there's like 30 that just came out like the other day, like God Save the Queen, Queen Elizabeth token. <laughs> you know, people trying to cash in. If you really loved the Queen, you got to buy this token. So, but um. Yeah, no, with, with Luna, I mean, I just recently did a five-part series on stable coins. Um, one of them was covering algorithmic stable coins, which is Luna. Mm -hmm. The big problem with that is pretty much all algorithmic stable coins fail, by the way. Um, and it's a stable coin that isn't actually backed by anything. So Tether is supposed to be backed by reserves of of actual you know however many tether there are they're supposed to be that much us dollars stored away somewhere in the equal amount and they're making money off of transaction fees the problem with algorithmic stable coins is there is nothing actually backing them aside from the coin that they're tied to and community incentive to switch between them because people can make money by switching from ust to uh to luna and then luna to ust when the uh the value is not so for example like if if the value was one dollar and one cent people might start minting over because they'll make a tiny profit right. or if it's 99 cents they might mint the other way to make a tiny profit the idea there is it's all just based on the community keeping it going <laughs> if that ever doesn't if, if it's never if it's not working anymore the whole thing collapses and every algorithmic stablecoin pretty much has failed hive back dollars is still good um i mean there's some that are still good because they have all these different policies in place but generally algorithmic stablecoins fail mm -hmm. uh the other really big one a year or two ago mark cuban came out and promoted and endorsed uh, iron or Titan by iron finance. And that just plummeted like a couple days after in the exact same way, uh, like $60 to 0 0.00001, pretty much the same thing that happened with Luna. And uh, yeah, pretty much all algorithmic stable coins fail. Hmm. Every stable coin has its nuance of like why it's not really that good. Like with tether and these really centralized ones, they have total control where they can, freeze your wallet, do everything that the banks could do. Uh, they can revert transactions. They can do anything. The only good thing about that is if there's a hack, if something bad happens, they can just undo it all and just make everything good again. Right. But the problem is Tether has the most banned addresses, the most like blacklisted addresses. So, you know, like there's no, they have no issue with 
going after people or you know kicking people off of the system and each each coin has its own like pitfalls like even die dai which is supposed to be a more decentralized crypto backed stable coin it's 52 percent backed by usdc coinbase's stable coin so it's centralized anyways through what coinbase is doing so there's really no easy way to get away from the pitfalls of stable coins and after like... my five-part series i've basically decided that i don't think any stable coins are trustworthy and i just i wrote them all off yeah you just have to create your own sexy coin sexy coin. <laughs> i think that's <laughs> what it is <laughs> i think it's like to create your own... no i mean i was just thinking while you were talking about that and you were just talking about stable coins and i don't even know how many coins I mean, honestly, how many coins are out there? Like, if you I, had to, I like, put even a, tell you. There's so many. Um, like, is there, like, 10,000 or is there, like, a million? Like, I mean, like... It's like, really hard can... to say because, like, it depends if you consider a coin, like, legitimate or not. Because, like, I could go and create, like, 100 coins on Bitcoin Cash in, like, like tonight. Like, it wouldn't be that hard. And uh, people like, could I created... do that all over the world? Exactly. Some, like, some... God. Like Ethereum, it's harder to create versus like Bitcoin Cash tokens. Uh, but, you know, there's varying levels of difficulty and how much time and effort you're going to put into it and transaction fees and all these different nuances. But uh, yeah, there's definitely a lot. It's just if they're actually being tracked and like, you know, if people are actually paying attention, it's hard to know if they really exist, if no one's, you know, said anything yeah. about it or if it's not like listed somewhere um it's hard to know exactly how many are out there but there is a lot like probably in the millions by this time mm. holy crap yeah. <laughs> so this is the thing though i'm gen x yeah <laughs> and i know people before me i am having a hard time grasping it and what the heck it is i mean i get it but i don't like i can get it on a mental level but then you think okay but money is something like well we have this sense of money right and and money is something that you survive on, right? I'm not saying this is necessarily the correct way to look at it, mm -hmm. right? But money is something you survive on. And for like people like Gen X and, and previously, like to throw that on its head and be like, okay, but data and work and all this stuff, like internet kind of based information, it's not in the same way mentally appropriate for money <laughs> like i can't explain it but like it's always going to be hard for gen xers i think i, I think and then and beyond like baby boomers and like i no, think no that's because we didn't grow sure. up because with it. like, i i grew up with yeah. like a beeper I, you I, know i think like, that's, and pay phones i think that's the single hardest uh, the single biggest hurdle for the fed to get over well they're all central, <laughs> well to, to release a central bank digital currency right i think uh look like especially in the united states uh senior citizens vote right like mm -hmm. they show up they vote and so the pol political uh landscape very much is determined by a lot of a lot of you know the direction they want to go in and they don't want to go in central bank digital currency has a similar i think hurdle yeah. to get over i think what you're talking about is just the 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 vastness of it. No, I think you're talking about the brand equity that dollars and fiat fiat currency have. It does, yeah, yeah. Okay. But also the fact that there could be millions of crypto coins, like to to. It's it's more akin to like stocks. It. Like there's millions of penny stocks that no one has ever heard of or will ever hear about. Yeah. Um, but it's just the ones that actually matter: the blue chip stocks, Apple, Microsoft. That's like Bitcoin, Ethereum. That's what I would like akin it to. 
And the big difference with crypto is you can spend the stock at places that accept it versus just having the stock and it can't really do anything. You can stake the stock to earn more of the stock, uh, They which would offer dividends in a sense, like crypto dividends. So it's very similar to the stock market, uh, but there's just more functionality built into it. And I think when people look at it through that lens, it's a lot more easy to understand and 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 like get but again, started with it. Gen X, I'm like more likely to bury my money in the backyard. Yeah, but here then give it to anybody. So so here's the difference, and this is something that we've talked about. We've talked well, about. He's tried to change my life. No, no, no. We've talked oh. about. Um, <laughs> um, not just talking about crypto specifically, but we've talked about um, uh, global de-dollarization. We've talked about a loss of faith in fiat um, and fractional re uh, reserve banking system. We've talked about a lot of this stuff. And so I think what, what typically happens with any other type of reserve currency throughout the world or major kind of currency is you, you're essentially, uh, you know, Bitcoin and Ethereum and the other blue chip, you know, cryptos are fighting for market share, essentially, like who's going to do business in Bitcoin versus who's going to continue to do business in you know, yuan or dollars or, or Canadian dollars or euros or whatever, right? Um, when people begin to lose faith in those other currencies, it's a gigantic opportunity for Bitcoin and Ethereum and cryptos because then it becomes something else that they might see the grass is greener on the other side of the fence as opposed well, to- I have no doubt of the value that lives in crypto. Like, I don't have any doubt in that. But like to me, for you to say it's like the stock market totally makes sense. Mm -hmm. Like I hadn't thought of that before. Like I feel like people try to make it a currency and I don't think of that. Like when I think of stock markets, I don't think necessarily of currency. I know he's big into stock markets, so I don't really get it. And I listen to some of the podcasts he listens to. But to me, like if you say it as a stock market, now I understand it. Whereas if I think of it as a currency that everyone uses, I can't understand it in that way. Even though I know currency is on the stock market. I, how would you explain that difference, Scott? The difference between, I mean, like they call it cryptocurrency, right? Mm -hmm. um, so how would you explain that difference between someone who says, okay, well, if it is more like the stock market than it is like currency, um, it's riskier. Why would I put my money there? Why would I get paid in it? This, that, and the other thing. Like, how would you kind of like uh, either, you know, assuage their fears or just kind of tell them, you know, why cryptocurrency is a, a more competitive place for them to kind of put their time and their energy and their assets versus, uh, say, fiat. Yeah, and to answer that, I would kind of go back to what we were talking about at the beginning. Like, gold is very, very useful, but there's li limitations. Like, if I want to get rid of all my gold and move tomorrow, that's going to be very challenging. But I can <laughs> sell all my Bitcoin today, or I could bring it with me. Um, it's just building on some of those limitations, but, um, answering your question about how I, you know, differentiate it between the stock market. Like I said, it's kind of like the stock market, but you can spend your stocks and, uh, you can do more with the stock and it's actually like yours. So for example, um, you know, Justin Trudeau was freezing bank accounts. So if you had a stock account on with your bank account, a lot of that was at risk. Uh, when the stuff started happening in Ukraine, you couldn't trade Russian stocks. If you had Russian stocks, you're pretty much screwed. The difference with crypto is that no one's going to be able to just like stop you from trading your Bitcoin or whatever, regardless of 
what's happening around the world and no one's going to freeze it. They might try to blacklist it, but they can't actually take it from you or it's really solving the problem of centralized finance. Um, and I say and a lot of stuff. the, <laughs> yeah. and a lot of the, the motivations for cryptocurrency is just understanding how bad the current financial system is with centralized finance. And only when you see that problem, do you see the need for a solution, which is decentralized finance. Um, and until you see that problem or recognize that problem, you won't see the need for that solution. But once people understand that, they say, okay, there, what is the solution? The main solution we have right now is cryptocurrency. And that's what people are generally going to. Maybe there'll be something else in the future. But uh, right now, that's kind of the only easy decentralized solution to a lot of these centralized problems with finance. I'm totally there too. And I like, I get it. It's just, it's like, I'm just trying to say, as like a Gen X, like somebody who's 45. <laughs> buzzes in your pocket do you think it's your pager and it's like your friend that says like 911 every like... gun did 80085 which was boobs yeah. <laughs> and well, there was a I think a good way <laughs> I, it's I think a good way generation. to explain this I'm sure I think people... a... oh go ahead let's go for it sorry sorry yeah sorry a, a good way to explain this I would say is like gold is what you know, like Gen X boomers might be more interested in because you can hold it, it's valuable, it's scarce. Yeah. But it is harder for me to go to a store and say like, hey, can you like chip off a piece of this gold brick? And like, yeah. can I spend this here? Or or can I give you this gold brick and you've got a bunch of gold nuggets in the back that you can give me as change or whatever. So it's kind of solving that problem of like, how easy is it to actually use it and exchange it? And is it also still valuable? So it's that that's, I keep going back to, it's like stocks that you can spend essentially, because you know, there's value there, but you can also still use it to buy things. And I, I think a lot of the block is just like, people without think it's pawn, so- Without a pawn, pawn store? P-A-W? Yeah. Pawn shop. Yeah. Pawn yeah shop. With, without having to go to like a pawn shop or, you, you know, go to someone to like validate the gold. You need <laughs> but, dollars um... for a porn. <laughs> yeah. Hold on. I, I got to tell you uh, what's interesting. So like you're, you're, you're like a tech nerd, right, Scott? Um, yeah. So I went to uh, school for networking and IT security. Oh okay. my God. See, you're... Right. So, yeah. so you know why uh, Blu-ray versus uh, HD DVDs, like why blu-ray one out right yeah yeah it was the porn industry right so whatever the porn industry adopts a new technology that's what makes it successful it's the, it's the most and paypal started banning porn stars from accepting on paypal and then they were like okay <laughs> we something else. 
but when, um, when only yeah, I would like switches to accepting uh, tips yeah. in, in Bitcoin Cash or something like yeah, that. There yeah, there you go. Boom. OnlyFans. It's gone. Absolutely. No, I mean, I there's a lot of coins like sex coin and all those kind of things. <laughs> they don't really do that well because, you know, it's hard to trust that they're like not sketchy. Yeah, um, but like a lot of the times the way that I would explain for people who are having trouble like understanding blockchain and crypto is most people like because I studied networking and IT security, I'd say like 99% of people have no idea how the internet actually works. Yeah, all they need to understand is how to use it. And it's the same with crypto, you don't need to understand like how the blocks connect to the chain, like most people trip up with like mining, how mining works and what it really means. And it's like, none of that is relevant because most people have no idea how IP addresses work or how a DNS server works. They just know if I type in on my URL and I go to this website, it works. So all you really need to know is how to use the thing. You don't need to understand the intricacies in the same way that if I drive a car, I don't know everything about engine combustion. I just need to understand how to drive it and use it rather than how it works in all the intricacies. It's so funny that you um, brought that up because I just saw this 90s thing. It was like, I'm so from the 80s and 90s. And I just saw a meme and a video that was like the car manual from the 80s and 90s was like how to change your oil. And the car manual now is like, you know what the button means <laughs> but no but but you're basically saying trust us and you know gen x doesn't trust anybody well, so that's a problem and that's where that's where that brand equity comes in right like gen x and and specifically baby boomers have i don't want to speak for old brand equity well yes yeah i'm like no one nominated i don't trust but, anybody um <laughs> this is just me no there's the name recognition and and I, you know, I have to do some research on this. Is there any cryptocurrency out there that's backed by gold? I thought you were going to say yes. that. So there are, there are several. Um, the big issue is you run into a lot of different issues. So I covered this in my stablecoin series covering like the gold backed coins. Um, the issue with a lot of them is you still have to trust some centralized entity to hold it, store it, uh, that they're not going to do something like malicious Right. Uh, so you run into a lot of the same issues, right? You still need like a bank to control the gold and do all that. So you run into a lot of the same issues and you're better off just actually owning gold or just having crypto because you're not going to run because there's also low liquidity and there's not a lot of people trading it and using it. So, you know, there's risks there where it's like if I go to sell it, it are people going to want to buy it from me and things like that. So, right. um yeah, I mean, that's why I say, like, I kind of just avoid all stable coins at this point. As much as I would love for that to be a reality, I've kind of gone through and tried everything. And at the end of the day, a lot of stable coins just don't cut it. Yeah. Yeah. A high back dollars is an interesting uh, use case because they've definitely held up better than a lot of the other stable coins that are either in existence or have existed. A lot of that, has at least to algorithmic do... stablecoins, because yes. I would I, I would point out that like USDT, like Tether and like Coinbase, they're pretty much always a dollar, whereas like algorithmic stablecoins will kind of move up and down a little bit. But again, we talked about like Tether can just control your money. They can freeze it. They can do whatever they want, whereas like high back dollars are decentralized. So you don't have those issues, but you have the concerns around like if the community doesn't keep supporting it and like it's not able to hold its peg that's my concern um personally i sold out most of my hbd um 
after I did all my research on stable coins and I was just like, I just don't want anything to do with stable coins. I still like hive. I like HBD, but I'm just so skeptical of stable coins across the board now. And pretty much all algorithmic coins fail. I'm just really skeptical of the whole thing. The algorithmic coins, you, but by that you mean the coins that run off an algorithm? Well, yeah, no, they require basically people exchanging back and forth with the coins. In order for it to build. Yeah, it, it needs people to continue to arbitrage that difference in value. If they stop arbitraging so there's, that difference. There's nothing value. actually backing it. Like there's no yeah. dollars set aside. Yeah. Like with Tether, if there's a billion Tether, there's supposed to be a billion dollars set aside exact value one to one. But with like algorithmic stable coins, there's nothing set aside to actually keep its value. Uh, you're just relying mm. on the community to do that. And that's yeah. hard to do. I mean, you have to kind of trust that it's going to keep going. But what's, what's like super interesting for... I'm, I'm sorry to cut you off, but what's super interesting with yeah. high back dollars and, and not to say that you were, you know, you can make your decisions with your own money and stuff like that. I, I still hold some HBD um, because they did go to a, a staking, uh, a staking um, uh, basically a situation where they're, they're paying 20% APR, right? Um, and initially I was like, this is unsustainable. Like all the stable coins I've seen that have promised even 8% Luna. have all kind of like fallen back on this, right? Um, Luna one, did 20%. Yeah, the one thing well. that sold me on scared it, me. the one thing that sold me on on at least keeping a portion of my my wallet in HBD was Hive has this unique situation where uh, it's not nearly as liquid as all of the other coins. Um, and so there are a lot of these kind of like stop gaps that stop these huge inflows and outflows. So like the bank run on Hive um, can't happen in a day or an hour, right? Like it happens over weeks, right? And so there's mm. time there where people can kind of like come back to their senses and maybe actually uh, arbitrage some of these imbalances, right? Um, but that being said, I see what you say. Like, I would say that for anyone who's in your situation or my situation or anyone who's um, not, not uh, you know, all in on crypto or, or even young and has a long runway to kind of figure this stuff out, you don't put all your eggs in one basket, right? I'm like, you're a walking embodiment of that, Scott. Like, yeah, 50? Being on, <laughs> being on 50 different 50 platforms. 50 is 50. Yeah. I don't know how you do it. Um, I can't even. I've got, I started on Hive, and I did one post, and that was eight months ago. I was Today, I was like, I should go on Hive. Yeah. And I was like, shit, that was eight months ago. It's it's really tough. Do you, do you find yourself battling that where, uh, especially with these Web 3.0 projects where, you know, they're, they're blogging sites or, or they're kind of like social media based or, or video based. Um, you find it really hard to kind of like gravitate through those. I mean, it's, it's really difficult. And like YouTube and Facebook and Twitter, they just have, you know, such a, a stranglehold on kind of like attention and the volume of people that are using them. Um, what have you seen as far as like the uptake and usage on some of those platforms? Yeah, I mean... The sad thing is like sometimes when a platform starts doing really well, they kind of like gravitate away from the crypto aspect and they kind of become more corporate. I would say personally, I feel that way about like Odyssey and library. Um, I don't feel like they're really that true to like blockchain values anymore, but you know, like it's really hard to say. Like, I mean, everything is growing, but they're competing with like all the, the big networks and it's really just people aren't 
realizing that they can like get value out of the things that they're already doing on social if they were posting it on hive or wherever else and there is some like learning curve to using these platforms um but like that's kind of why i like to do like tutorials and teach people about how to actually use these platforms like hive for example because it is so hard to get started um but you can earn a lot and i've kind of showed that over the last like three years of reporting my earnings every single month and tracking all of that but yeah it's it's really hard to say because you know sometimes the platforms go down or they're a scam or you know there's so many different things that can happen i have to say two things first of all this one over here got me on hive but i don't know what the fuck i'm doing and I don't know why he didn't send me your videos. <laughs> because now I'm going to, tomorrow, I would, so wait, can you just say again where you have your videos? Because I'm going to go look. I'm going to watch this tomorrow. Yeah, pretty much it. everywhere. Um, but yeah, if you just want to watch it on YouTube or wherever is easiest, uh, I have like a 50-minute breakdown of like every aspect of Hive, including some of the extra like platforms like 3Speak and uh, Staking. I have been asking him to get me on 3Speak for like forever. <laughs> This is what I'm going to do tomorrow. I'm going to watch you, your video. Hold on. This is this is a very important part. You realize this show gets uploaded to three speak every week. I know. I don't know. <laughs> I don't do any of it. So technically you are. <laughs> I teach creative writing, my friend Scott. Yeah. I teach creative writing. <laughs> well, there's I a lot of blogging platforms too. I don't do anything so. else. Um, yeah. So I'm going to watch your video tomorrow because uh, he has had me on hype and I'm like, every time I go on there, I'm like, what the fuck should I tag? I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. Like, <laughs> and then I immediately get turned off and I go upstairs and I'm like, I have three kids to take care of. Like, that's what happens. But you, I love it. You should, have, you should have seen what the UI was like, what the user interface was like on Hive like two years ago. It was way worse than I'm getting now. better though. I, like, I want, I want to do it. And this one has not given me. It's a growing platform. I need platform. to look at it it's tomorrow. A growing, it's a growing platform. You should definitely watch it. Scott's walkthrough. I'm going to watch it on YouTube tomorrow. And then also, uh, here's a question. Matt and I were talking about this today. I was saying that in a way, I don't know if crypto is like bartering. It's probably not like bartering, but we were talking about the idea of bartering, right? Like service for service, right? Mm -hmm. And I had told him, you know, they tried to do like a service for service on my holistic group and it didn't work because the person who gave massage service thought they required more than getting elderberry syrup. required more than like the free class from something like it's all you know and so i understand the need for crypto but what is your feeling on bartering and like that whole idea of bartering within a community so that's a really good question because a lot of the issues in traditional finance is that you have to trust the other person that you're interacting with or you have to trust a third party to manage, you know, whatever's going on between you two. Mm. The thing with crypto is it's trying to create a trustless solution. So for example, with a smart contract, I put my money in the contract, they put their money in the contract. And then once we've both fulfilled our sides of the agreement, it'll send the, the crypto to e- each other. And there's no bank holding it in the middle or lawyer or whatever to do that transaction. Uh, whereas previously, you know, like, um, I don't know, like in a video game, for example, that doesn't have NFTs yet, uh, say like world of Warcraft, you've got an item, you want to sell it to someone, 
you just have to trust and hope that they're going to actually pay you and you're going to give them the item. But in the future, if all items in video games were NFTs, you could do trustless interactions where you could do it in a smart contract and there would be no issues of like, oh, are they going to actually send the money? Am I actually going to get the item that I'm trying to buy? Um, so that's kind of the main thing that crypto is trying to solve. It's trying to make everything trustless. So you don't have to worry about trusting is the other person actually going to follow like all of a sudden or... they're going to pull out like, like they're just, yeah. It's so funny too, because when you said trustless at first, I was like, yeah, you have to trust that. Like the massage I give you is going to be awesome. <laughs> but then, I'm sorry. I'm totally not in crypto stock mind, but I feel like I honestly, like after having this whole conversation, I do feel there's something artistic about it. There's something beautiful about it. And to be artistic, all you have to see is, is have a vision and be beautiful in its own way and nasty ass shit. Well, no, I mean, to a certain extent, it's a, like, to a certain extent, it's a, um, a blank canvas, right? It's just the canvas is, uh, maybe you don't use paint, right? Like you're using code or something, right? Um, uh, yeah, many people would say like the Bitcoin code is art and, you know, people will like frame it and hang it up and yeah. stuff. And it's like, it's a beautiful piece of code and it is creative way to solve problems with finance and it's using creativity to do that. And yeah. fuck the government. Yeah. Right? Like, <laughs> oh, fuck Christ. the fucking government. I, you like, know, no, I mean, like, hold really? On. I, Are you going to make up for me? Dude, I, you went from... The government loves me. Dude, you went from... <laughs> You went from kind of like, you know, yeah, we need a little bit of government and stuff like that to have the government no. in like a couple of years. When have I ever said I needed government? Uh, uh, you were... Listen, you know, we'll discuss we that don't later. vaccinate, we don't we homeschool, we're like, we don't need government in that way. They're actually paving our street this week, which I was like, wow, I've been here since 1983 and they've never paved it, but now I can't park <laughs> on the street tomorrow. And I'm like, am I going to be able to leave my fucking home? No, like, I don't even know. I didn't vote for it. There's no check mark. I, I don't know. If, I don't know if crypto can solve that immediately. Totally um, random <laughs> thought. I'm sorry. And I, I can commis I can commiserate with you, Scott. I've spent uh, many an hour sitting at the the bank on World of Warcraft or EverQuest, hoping that the person shows up with my item that I paid fiat money for on eBay. But oh um, you were like World of Warcraft. Yeah, some of this giant nerd. <laughs> so anyway, um, I I want to ask you uh, kind of like one final question it's kind of like a prognostication question right like if you could bet money on it or or if you were going to kind of like try and look into your crystal ball um where, where do you think crypto goes in the future like mm. do you think it becomes this you know juggernaut that uh you know the the gen xers and the boomers that are so attached will they to, ever to fiat understand it and gold and stuff like that <laughs> no uh when when you don't need to that's what yeah, i was trying to well, say yeah, yeah. But, you don't need to. I've when, heard that before. But will the uh, Gen Zers and the Millennials and, and the younger generations, will crypto be their default, right? Like, will they move to that? Or do you think something else takes its place? Or do you think it's, you know, like a little bit of everything, like a Heinz 57? Yeah, I mean, realistically, if you're trying to be the best prepared for any situation, you want to have a little bit of everything to, you know, spread out your risk. But... Yeah, I think the way that people are going, everyone's like living digitally. I mean, hopefully we're not all like plugged into the metaverse in the future. Um, but I do see a crypto future, which it makes a lot of sense. I mean, here in Canada, 
we're actually one of the most cashless societies, uh, like countries on earth. Mm. And uh, I think the more cashless a society is, the more likely they're going to easily adopt crypto because that's already kind of what people are doing. Um, and I mean, as people see more issues with inflation, um, you know, all these problems with like the traditional system, it's going to become more and more apparent that crypto is the only solution. And I think it's just going to slowly but surely kind of take over. And I mean, we're still early as people like to keep saying, uh, like, it's like what, like 20, 30% of people have adopted crypto. There's still yeah. so much more room to go. And, and, and I mean, it's taking over. I mean, uh, two months ago, banks, uh, the Bank of International Settlements said that all banks around the world can now hold 1% of Bitcoin or other cryptocurrencies in their reserves. In my video talking about this, I said, if we just looked at the top 15 banks in the world, if they all did 1%, of bitcoin reserves that would be all the rest of the bitcoin that's on exchanges mm. uh, and that would just skyrocket bitcoin it'd be insane um but i do expect a lot more people to be adopting crypto i've always said that i think it's going to be through social media platforms and that's why i do a lot of what i do but it'll also be through video games once they actually start adopting nfts and that actually really gets going because that's going to take over if all fortnite skins are an nft kids are going to be growing yeah. up on crypto that's, that's the next generation like, yeah yeah that's how it'll really take over it, it'll start with the next generation and then they'll just that's grow like up on it majors to cell phones <laughs> well, yeah. I, I, what it is i also I, i'm like it might be i'm like i'm right on that verge between millennial and gen x um and this might be kind of the the older gen x in me i actually like the less sexy ideas of you know smart contracts taking over traditional financial transactions like you know not necessarily having to have a, a paper title for your house mm -hmm. or your property anymore right well, um, yeah you don't have to pay a realtor their fees you could just do it all through a smart contract right the whole idea yeah. of trustless solutions for any financial transaction of any kind i think the beautiful thing of it and it really is that decentralization is to like have those transactions with your neighbor like and that people can create these things and in you can give to somebody without having someone else with their hand in that situation i know it sounds weird like as i say it but like there there's something that's the i keep going back to this artistic like whatever you're saying i've never thought of it like this before but well, i'm an you. artist but what i keep going back to is it's like it's really like a beautiful individual freedom and and the fact that there's millions of bitcoins i mean at some point i imagine it has to funnel down and the fact that it's worldwide is so fucking beautiful yeah i mean like you know the, having a, a some kind of currency that like goes across the world i mean like that's fucking beautiful you, you're thinking and, about creating a hippie commune that runs off of crypto crypto i love hippie commune <laughs> We could get all the, we could get into DAOs and doing the meditation. <laughs> and it's funny because you were mentioning earlier, like I don't know if we'd ever have you know roads being paved by crypto or whatever, but you know DAOs, decentralized autonomous organizations, you could do so many different things where people in a neighborhood could put a little bit of money into a DAO and then vote on what they want to do with that money. And, you know, that could actually be a way that people do things. Although I'll say a lot of DAOs are kind of 
not truly decentralized so that's kind of like a double-edged sword but uh the idea is 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 good the concept is good yeah it's i i find it interesting with the uh the dao is that um wait a minute dao when you say dao dao decentralized not D-O-W. No, no 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 not dao jones A-O. yeah no it, it's it's meant to be um essentially kind of like a spontaneous organization of uh individuals that uh come together to for for a a purpose right um sometimes they bid on so it could be like neighbors sometimes i i actually find it interesting that the dow is a lot of what gets most of the press nowadays is essentially analogous to private equity right like uh, a lot of DAOs are used the way a private equity firm um would be used i also like the democratization of a lot of things that um kind of like the everyday person has been locked out of um you know whether you talk about DAOs, you talk about DeFi. Um, you know, the average Joe Plumber is not getting involved in investment banking, right? Like they don't have money with JP Morgan that's going in for, uh, you know, uh, t- uh, takeover of a company to reform it and then spit it back out again. Um, but in the DeFi world, you kind of can have a hand in the investment banking, you know, quote unquote, uh, sector of crypto, which I think is absolutely fantastic. Because um, all the plumbers could get together and form their own DAO, and then they could put money into it, and then vote what they want to do. So yeah, I I love that aspect of it. I mean, it's 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 a way it's kind of, of communist. I, <laughs> I DeFi, I've said it before. In a way, DeFi is a a way of opening the IPO market um, to what normally would be retail investors that you know might maybe make a little bit of the remnant profit at the end after a, a stock or a company or an asset goes public right whereas most of the profit that's made on the front end is made up by the investment bank and and other people that are involved in it um now you actually get in at the ground floor right like you could be the person who's technically mm-hmm. the angel investor for an idea right we were talking about mark cuban before like uh mm-hmm. you wouldn't need mark cuban Right. You would need a, a bunch of people, you know, you would need a hundred people that are one one hundredth of Mark Cuban to, to make those things happen, which I, I think is an absolutely fantastic idea. Can I ask you, so what the hell brought you to crypto? <laughs> That's because an interesting it your question. education or was it like a fucked up situation? <laughs> Not that yeah, I so... fucked up situations bring it in, but sometimes I do. <laughs> Yeah, so I mean, people were kind of kicking around the idea of Bitcoin when I was in university, but I'd never really got into it until after. And then I looked into it. I was like, okay, let's let's throw some money at this. And unfortunately, it was just before the big crash, so I lost most of my money. It went from like nineteen thousand to like three thousand, um, like Bitcoin at that time. And uh, and I was like, okay, maybe I'm not very good at investing, but I was learning a lot about it. And I was like, I like the idea. I was. I do social media marketing as like my day job. And I was like, how could this apply to what I do every day? And um, I found Steam, Steam it, which was like the original Hive. Uh, And I started posting on there, but I was like, this is so hard to use. There's no tutorials. So I started doing tutorials and then I was like, okay, well, what else is there? I started finding all these other social media platforms. And then that's kind of what started my journey of just like exploring social platforms finding out that you could earn money just by posting on them. And then I just, you know, I kept going along that because I was like, a lot of people are going to be really hesitant to actually invest in this stuff because it's so complex and scary. And, but if you can earn it for free, 
people are going to be like, okay, well, I mean, I, if I have $50 that I get for free, I guess I can learn what, how, what this is or how to do this. Cause it's free yeah. money uh, versus like asking me to put money in and then learn about all this complex stuff. That's why I'm very take into all the your idea. Of, right. Yeah. Like, yeah. And yeah. then fucking that's crazy. Like Facebook. Wait from, no, 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 no. no, I know that's not, I know that's not what he's talking about, but I'm saying like you're investing in a social media account. I would say and that's, then fucking Facebook. Yeah, yeah, but shit. hold on. That's that's a good question though. What do you think motivates people the most? Because I think adoption of, of Web 3.0. Um, I don't even know what you mean when you say Web 3.0. Web, web, <laughs> I have no clue. Like web, platforms like Hive. Yeah, okay. so, so like a social media platform that's built with crypto is kind of like the incentive for posting and interacting. And okay. Right? Okay. Okay. So what do you think Scott is a better incentive for people to move to a platform like that? Because we saw a lot of the censorship and stuff like that, oh, that has happened over the last even more than two years, like three, four five years. Mm -hmm. I mean, especially if you trace the, the rise of Trump and everything like that, um, you know, that you thought, would have pushed people to a decentralized platform. Um, well, they all like, went to Telegram. Well, but that's the thing. Like mm -hmm. they went to some of these other platforms that they perceived as uh, more decentralized, or actually they weren't even decentralized at all. They just had a different, you know, monarch that was at the head of them. I mean, the problem is I'm on all these like alternative social platforms too that don't have crypto, like Gab, Parler, Getter, all that stuff. Yeah. Um, the issue there is like they're still just the same as Facebook, essentially. Like yeah. it's just a different master the right to ban Substack you. Good? It's really just uh I mean Substack is is a little different, but it's still like it's a different technology, I would say. Yeah. Uh that's a, a more complex thing to get into. But like Gab or Parlor or whatever, uh they still have the same thing. Like they can just ban you at any time technically. They still have the ability to do all the same things they're just trying to promise that they're not going to do those things the difference with like hive is no one really can do those things it's yeah. uh you can't just get banned off of hive or whatever so they kind of solve a lot of those problems the issue is it's harder to get started it's more complex so there's all these different nuances of what people are like willing to deal with um because, you know, once crypto gets involved, if it's actually decentralized, it's going to be way more complex. I think what's going to bring people over, as I've said, is like you can earn money for posting oh, things. Yeah. And like maybe people didn't realize, oh, my post on Facebook actually has value aside from the dopamine hit I get when someone likes it. And I'm like, oh, yeah. Or how much money companies get for selling your fucking data. <laughs> exactly. So if people yeah. saw, if there was like a, I think this would be a great idea. If someone made an extension for your browser that like showed what your post would be valued at if you were paid for it <laughs> and what Facebook is making. And then people go, oh, like I could have gotten a dollar here, a dollar here. Maybe. And they're like, damn, like, how do we actually get that money? And then there's like a little link beside it that's like, go check out Hive that you can get this here. So I think that would be a really cool way to like show people. It's like you could be making money your content does have intrinsic value, but Facebook is getting it. With yeah. crypto platforms, you are sharing that value uh, with the platform or in the other people on the platform. So you're actually getting that value that you're putting in your effort and you're getting a reward for it. Yeah. I've, I've mentioned Hive to a few people and every time I'm like, well, you can get 
crypto they're like what yeah <laughs> but so let me ask you is it just what's your favorite like all social media kind of website is it hive it is hive i know it's more complex but when you break down everything else there's just nothing that is as like reliable or decentralized like there's a lot of great other platforms but they all have like their nuances and pitfalls like read.cash is a great blogging platform but they could just ban people or it could just end tomorrow i have no idea because it's not actually using the blockchain to store the content and things like that it's just run mm -hmm. by donations and they're just kind of giving away bitcoin cash to people whereas like hive is a self-sustaining ecosystem that is you know able to do all these things and 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 you don't have to worry about you know maybe it's gonna stop being up tomorrow or whatever and you know odyssey is great uh the content is decentralized but they could still remove your content off the front end if no one is seeding it no one else is gonna really see it unless they go out to great lengths to see it and you know they control monetization so when we talk about getting value you know, eventually rewards on library are going to end and no one's going to really get any money anymore. And then people are going to be like, okay, why am I using this platform? I thought I was able to get money and I can still make money on YouTube, but I can't really make money on library. So like, what's the incentive? Yeah. So a lot of platforms are struggling with, you know, why people should be there and what's incentivizing people. I think Hive does it the best. It's just really complex and there isn't as many people there because of that I'm complexity. I'm totally going to try to friend you. I'm Rebel Arts, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> That's I, my name. <laughs> I'll show you how to do that. Um, I'm also convinced that uh, if if uh, World War Three does happen and nuclear winter happens as a result of this Ukraine-Russia stuff, uh, the last social media post that gets upvoted and gets crypto associated with it will happen on Hive because there will be a server somewhere in a random part of the world where someone's still posting, hoping that one person sees it. Um, look, I've learned so much. Yeah, I, Scott, I've learned I, so much. I, I have to say thank you. Every single time you come on here, like crypto right now yeah i feel like i never thought of it as artistic and in my brain somewhere in there there's some art i can't say it exactly or where it comes from but like there's some weird thing going on when you explain it that i'm like that's totally artistic yeah like that's an artist's brain that created we'll get crim on and we'll talk about uh we'll talk about nfts and art more but uh I mean, well, I'm not even she's apparently on hiatus for a month or something like that she's going to be a travel blogger on hive for through the end of October. is that the one who runs the art gallery yes and she also runs and, uh, uh, heavy metal stuff. heavy metal radio mm -hmm. yeah um, i do know something yeah <laughs> <laughs> so uh with that uh Scott, I want to say thank you so much. You it's been, rocked, it's my been friend. Awesome. So uh, awesome. hopefully we didn't talk your ear off too much. <laughs> no, no, no. It's always good to uh, to talk crypto. It's always a pleasure. And uh, thank you so much for having me on. Awesome. Uh, and uh, just a reminder to everyone, we will be back live next Monday. Probably, we might keep it at 930. We're usually on at 9. But... I can't do 9 because I'm on theater. Yes, yes. She's going to be in a Christmas carol locally. So. My 13-year-old daughter is okay with me doing the play with her. I figure if I don't do yeah. it now, 
it's never gonna she's gonna disown her <laughs> so i'm just like i'll never get the chance again so i here i am let me tell you scott i this is getting too deep right now this is getting too time. deep right now, now. <laughs> i went to fucking college for musical theater in new york city like that's what i did i have not sang I don't know, three decades, three decades, two, I'm not that old, two decades. <laughs> and I go and I'm like, I'm just, I ask them when I in auditions, I'm like, can I just do the ensemble? That's all I want. Like, I can't remember anything after three pregnancies. And the first night, and I don't, I don't sing harmonies. I've always been a high soprano. I don't sing harmonies. The first night I get given, and it's a small little fucking song, but it's a cappella with no fucking music, with two other women singing fucking harmonies. I'm like, you have got to be kidding me. If you can do that, you can that learn crypto. Shit. If I can do that, I can learn crypto. I can learn crypto before I do. I spent my entire life avoiding harmonies. My entire life. I could totally learn crypto before that. Yeah, I will be. God, I'm sorry. That. That, that is my life tonight. I came into this. That's why I was like, give me the fucking line. <laughs> when you're I mean, procrastinating you learning harmonies, you can always uh, check out Hive. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll go post about it on Hive. Rebel Arts. Exactly. Uh, with that, uh, I, again, thank you, Scott. We are out. We will see you next Monday live, probably 9, 930. Uh, and I got to line up a guest. So we'll see who's next week. So, Scott, have a good night. Thank you, everyone. See you later. Bye -bye. Bye -bye.